My name is David Allen. I just needed a church to go back to and um, found out about Freedom Session. Thought I'd, okay, I'd give it a shot and see what that's about. I came to Freedom Session mostly because I was having issues with pornography. It was starting to overtake my life, quite honestly. The interesting thing about Freedom Session is that it brings out other stuff too. If you allow God to do his, do his thing, uh, he will show you other issues that you're having and, and, and he'll help you through those. You see a lot of why you do things you do, why you've gone through those things and you release them to God and let him take them over. It's very difficult, but worth it. Our Freedom Session was kind of cut short a little bit over this pandemic thing that we're going through. God is faithful even if you decide to turn from Him, which happened to me. For me, I literally had to stop studying the Bible. I had to stop all the stuff that I was doing in order to fall into, go into my, my, my pornography and all that other stuff. And what I found was the minute that I did that, I had this horrible, sickening feeling. I went back into the Word, and He has been amazing in this last few months. It's just been amazing what He's doing. You know, without, without the Freedom Session um, tools that you are getting, um, I wouldn't be where I am right now, for sure. He uses everything. Whether good or bad, he uses it. Thankfully, he's on my side. <laughs>Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. I love David's story because everybody's battling for purity in their life. Amen? And uh, at this church, you can say that. It's okay to say that because I think the devil knows that in church, sometimes people are like, well, I get these really external sins kind of taken care of, but I really struggle with all the internal, the hidden ones. And so when you can be in a church that says, actually, we're all dealing with stuff on the inside that maybe no one else sees, and we can be open about that, it takes away the devil's power. Amen? And I love how David said, you know, I, I got back into the Word and how that helped me. I want to tell you a quick story. Just thought of it on the front row 10 seconds ago. I was on a mission trip to California to a place called Gleanings for the Hungry. Had 85 teenagers with me on several buses. Uh, we had cars going on this trip. And we had a, a giant Suburban. And we were going down not I-5, but we were going down... Um, uh, what was it, 99, 99, which is the bad freeway. At least at that time, it had very small shoulder, wasn't taken care of. I-5 was the big one. So we were on 99, and we got a flat tire on the freeway uh, in a giant, big, old, heavy, old Suburban, uh, probably got like nine miles a gallon, and it's on the fast lane side of the freeway. It's like in the median, like its tires are basically on the, the lane, the fast lane of the freeway. It's not where you want to break down, especially with other people's teenagers. And, and it was like one of those, dear God, help us. And so I get kind of told about it. We, you know, wrestle back, come back in. And they get into this giant suburban, this heavy vehicle, and they find out there's no jack. What kind of youth pastor is leading this trip? You know, that was what I was thinking. So we pulled up behind it. I think I was 24 years old, like pretending like I had some answers at the time. And we pulled up behind it. And then there was another car on our trip, and it was a, a little Volkswagen Passat. And, and the, the mom from our church who's driving the Volkswagen Passat, she goes, I've got a jack in my car. 
This is the Suburban. This is the Volkswagen. Do you get the picture? So they get out the jack, and they put the jack at the highest level, and it's not touching the rim of the car, the Suburban yet. I'm like, well, that wasn't the answer to prayer I was looking for. And somebody said, well, we got to do something. We got to get the jack off the ground so that the, the, the actual jack will lift the Suburban part of the car. And we said, what do we got? And they looked in the back of the car, and they said, we've got Bibles. So they pulled out a Bible, a second Bible, a third Bible. They put the jack on. It wasn't tall enough. We got to about seven Bibles, put the jack on top of the seven Bibles, and the Suburban lifted up off the ground. Now the jack was beginning to bend in pressure, so we pulled the tire off, got the new tire on, and we got back on the road. But church, the following Sunday, I came to the house of the Lord, and I was ready I was fired up. I preached about the Bible. I preached about reading it. And I said, listen, are you jacked up on the word of God? Because I was last week on the freeway, right? What a perfect example. And um, I just hope that during this season of your life that the Bible is not somewhere lost collecting dust in your home. This is a season of life to press in and to hear from God. Amen? Number one way that God wants to speak to you is through his word. And, you know, there can be all sorts of trouble and trials in your life. But, man, you open up the Bible and just begin to read and say, Lord, talk to me, speak to me. Maybe not every day is just, you know, hallelujah chorus. But you spend time in his word, it'll change you. And it started doing that when I was a teenager, and it has not stopped in my life. Real quick, I don't want to forget to say this Wednesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. right here in the church sanctuary is kind of a day of prayer, but we're making it a night of prayer, so it's three hours of prayer. Um, it's one of those things that we just love to set aside some time. There'll be some music on, some prayer stations, some things to pray for, some personal stuff. You can come in and be prayed over, um, pray for others. And some of you just need a place where you're just like, you know what, I just need to take a deep breath, and I need to go spend some time in prayer. And if that's you, don't miss this Wednesday night. Anytime, 15 minutes, the whole three hours, it's completely up to you. It'll be very conducive to prayer and some wonderful people from uh, this church and maybe other churches here praying. So don't, don't miss that, all right? Awesome. <clears throat> all right, so our, our sermon title this uh, six weeks, we're talking about this word recalibrate. And I love the word because it means to recenter, to refocus, to realign, and to tune up. And man, when I think about those words, I want all those words to describe my life right now. God, I want to recenter my life. I want to refocus my life. I want to realign. I, I want to tune up. It means to step back and make adjustments, sometimes even to overhaul something so that it works correctly. I'm telling you, like, we need to constantly realign our lives, our thoughts, our actions to be in tune with what God wants to do, how God correctly made us. So last week, the focus was on recalibrate your life or stagnate. And you don't want to be stagnated in this life. You want to keep growing. Listen, you want to keep self-correcting or keep saying, Lord, bring correction in my life. I want to keep getting better. I want to keep getting closer to you. Keep self-correcting. Keep growing your life. Don't grow stagnant. By the way, sometimes during seasons like this, people kind of hole up in their houses, and we've all done that to some degree, and we understand why. But if there's not an outflow of service to your life, your soul dries up. There has to be something. And I think it goes beyond your family where you say, we do something, I do something for someone else because I choose to serve. And maybe you even know it's good for your soul, but you do it to bless others. If there's something in your life, there has to be an others focus to your life. Amen? 
And when you live your life and there's no others focus to your life, it slowly begins to shrivel up your heart inside of you. There has to be something. If you right now are like, what am I doing to serve and to bless others? If you can't think of something right now, it's, it's, I'm telling you what, there's a toxin in your soul. So do something about that. Don't get stagnant. Keep your focus on others. There has to be something in your life that's flowing called service. And I challenged all of us last week to do three things. Number one, redefine success. Um, number two, to reexamine what is essential. And number three, to reevaluate your relationships. This one right here, redefine success. All week long, I've been thinking about that. Man, what is success? What is success in my life? Is it winning with finances? Is it having lots of friends? Is it having physical health? What is success? Um, is it your job going well? Uh, is it lots of laughter in your life? Uh, is, is it, for me, loving God, loving people, serving the world? What, what, what it defines success for you? Because so often we get that mixed up and there's things that become part of our equation, like I'm a success if... And maybe those are not things that God says, no, that's not a great definition of success. And so some of us, we have to redefine, like I've let the world's concept of success infect me. And I want to change that. I'm going to redefine what, what makes my life a success. Somebody said, uh, when the people who know me the most uh, uh, respect me, that, that makes me feel like a success. When I'm being who I'm supposed to be, you know, wherever I am with people who love me. What, what is a success to you? Reexamine what is essential and reevaluate your relationships. Now, I want to start with a story. <clears throat> Some of you know this story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was backing up my wife's minivan. It was a 16-year-old minivan. I wasn't being careful. And I backed into the basketball pole in my front yard. And I just didn't see it. I don't know what I was thinking. I backed up kind of quickly. I hit the pole, and the pole bent like this. And I remember thinking, do you know, when you do something stupid, do you ever just go, you're such an idiot? Who's ever said that to yourself? You're such an idiot. Don't say that. All right, but I said it. I was like, oh, that you just created such an unnecessary problem for your life. And now your daughter, who was going to be the WNBA champion, is not going to be anymore because you backed into that pole, you know? And so I had all these thoughts of how I messed up. And so I kind of, I saw it and it was leaning a little bit. And I don't have a, a you know, a bulldozer or a truck or something. So I just got an idea. Well, the van pushed it over one way. Maybe the van can push it over the other way, right? So I backed up the minivan, and, uh, and I pulled it aside, and I went up, and I put the nose of it on the, on the basketball pole, and I just hit the accelerator. <laughs> but it was pointing to the right, so I backed up, and I drove around, went to the right side, I went, and then I dragged it this way, and then I saw the neighbors out in the cul-de-sac, like, what's this guy doing, you know? And um, it was funny, because I was trying to make it level. I was trying to align it. Um, and it was not working as well as I could. In fact, I had friends come over and say, hey, can, you, can I borrow your SUV? Can you push my basketball hoop a little bit? They laughed. Recently, I got out <clears throat> this level. I was probably working on an addition or building a deck with it. That's probably what I was doing recently. But... <laughs> Actually, what I was doing, I was testing the basketball hoop. I was going up to the side of it saying, is the pole straight? In fact, the, the rim was a little bit like this, and so I went up to the top, and I said, is the rim straight? And I began to look at that bubble to see if it is actually aligned correctly, like this TV is actually perfectly flat. And what's amazing about a level, whatever kind you have, is that um, you can actually look at something like, oh, it looks, it looks level, and then you put the level on, you realize it's not. And the reason I was missing all those three-point shots by just this much was the rim was just turned a little bit. And, and so <clears throat> um, 
it's easy to take a level and kind of, you know, figure out your project and, and make it level, you know, with the bubble and be able to see that. But here's a question. What do you do when, when your soul is a little bit off kilter? The title of today's message is Recalibrate Your Soul. Not your body, not just your life, but how do you recalibrate your soul? Here's the question. How is your soul? People don't usually walk down the street and say, how is your soul? All right, nobody just walks up and goes, hey, how's your soul today? Maybe they say this. Maybe friends say, how's the job? How's your family? How's your back? <clears throat> but it's kind of a weird question for somebody to look at you and go, hey, what's the condition of your soul today? And if somebody asked you that question, I'm not sure you'd have an immediate reaction or, or answer. <clears throat> your soul is the real you. It's your personhood. It's not your body because your body's temporal, but it's your soul, your, your true character. It's who you really are underneath. It's the essence of a human being, the heart, the soul, your spirit. Maybe you've seen those Hollywood movies where the body dies and all of a sudden it's lifeless, but the soul leaves the body and it's kind of like this ghostly figure that kind of comes out. Your soul. It's not only spiritual, it's eternal. And Jesus understood that your soul was eternal. Um, Jesus found people who didn't have a healthy respect for God. They didn't fear the Lord. These weren't, by the way, pagan people or heathen people. They weren't people who lived in the jungles. <clears throat> they were people, I'm going to get a drink of water really quick. They were people, they were the people of God, the church. How <clears throat> I many you know the church sometimes needs Jesus to look at us and see something needs to change? And so in this uh, time, Jesus observes that the people of God were growing less and less concerned with obeying God. And he saw that they were becoming more and more self-assured. Let me say that one more time. He looked into the church and he saw people that were less and less consumed or concerned with obeying God. And they were more and more self-assured. And so in Luke chapter 12, verse 5, Jesus said, listen, I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Don't feel mankind. Don't fear mankind. What can mankind do to you? Listen, your ultimate deep respect, honor, and fear is to God, who's the only righteous judge. Amen? Like, have this healthy, Jesus looked at him and said, you got it wrong. You're not even really consumed with obeying God. You're self-assured. And I hope for us, we can be different, that we can fear the living God and not people. And, I, and sometimes we, we maybe wouldn't say, but we kind of live like this, God, I'm a good person, I've got this. And I want to just say, no, don't be self-assured. What you've got is sin, and sin separates you from God. The man who is, who is sure of himself, the man who is, is a man who is unconscious of his own depravity, unself-aware. But when you realize your need for forgiveness and you find it in Jesus, you find the freedom and the joy that is beyond anything this world can offer. It's like all of a sudden like being in a life sentence in jail and being told, you get to come out. You're innocent. Someone's paid the price for your crime. It's like buying a starter home uh, in Thurston County these days, which is only about $800,000 now. And, and, and then, you know, 360 months from now, you, you make that last payment. And the freedom you feel from that debt that was hanging over your head, it's even better. Times that by a trillion, and that's the forgiveness when Jesus comes in and takes your sin off of you and frees you. I love to feel forgiven. That's true freedom. The Bible claims without God, your soul is always lost. That your soul has a need for God. And, and if you're here today, and you're like, honestly, I'm not living for God. Honestly, I don't know God. I'm not walking with God. There's something that's not right in your soul. 
Jesus gave his life so your soul would not be separated. By the way, your soul is not going to be super close to God because of your perfect living. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, he sent his son into the world to save the world through him. Peter had spent some time with Jesus, and he said it like this. He said, once you were like sheep, you wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, listen, the guardian of your souls. I am so glad that I have a guardian in the Lord, a guardian of my soul, because I have wandered from God. My heart is prone to wander. I need the good shepherd, and I am grateful to have a guardian in my life. Sometimes the Lord just kind of puts up a fence and puts up a rail and says, you're not going to go there. I'm going to protect you. He's the guardian of your soul. Wow. So I wonder this today. How is your soul? Maybe you could just begin to kind of answer that question, you know, just you and Jesus right now. How is your soul? And the second question is this. How has COVID-19 impacted your soul? Maybe there's a few of you that would be like, oh, I am so much happier now that COVID-19 has happened in our world. It's just I feel stronger deep inside. I think the vast majority of us would say no. It's caused some havoc in my job, a lot of havoc in my family, my church. Um, COVID-19 has impacted our souls, and we'd be foolish to say it hasn't. So how is your soul, and how is, how is this pandemic? I'll tell you what, for me, um, I have angst in my spirit. Um, I've seen a lot of immaturity in people I thought were more mature, and it bothers me. Maybe some in myself. How has COVID-19 impacted your soul? It's hard to tell how someone's soul is really doing. The reality is with the body, it's so much easier. You can tell when you need a haircut. Sometimes people will tell you you need a haircut. It's fairly obvious when you need to take a shower. Again, people might help you with that. Uh, If you have pain in your body, you know, you send for help. But what about this? What about your soul? What about when there's pain in your soul? What, What do you do when there's unhealth in your soul? What if your soul was visible? What if there was a mirror you could hold up to yourself and you could see clearly what needs to be fixed and changed and improved in your soul? Maybe your soul today is disappointed. Or maybe your soul is angry. Or maybe your soul is distracted. There was a day about a month ago, I was... My back was hurting really bad and everybody had left the office and I was here alone and I came across the street and I was just praying at the altar and I I just laid down about right here. I hope the camera's with me. I just laid down about here on my back just to say, Lord, I'm just gonna lie on my back and just pray that this pain would, would go away. And in that moment, something just so strange happened where God's presence is, he speaks, even if it's not about the thing you're thinking about. Like the sermon can be about one thing, but as long as God's presence is there, he'll tell you what you need. And I'm lying on my back, and I'm praying for my back, and I'm praying for the church. And all of a sudden, I pick up my phone, and I uninstall Facebook. Revival broke out. It was just me and the church, but revival broke out. And why that happened was simply this. Um, Many good friends, and mostly my wife, have said, you should just uninstall Facebook from your phone. It's causing an angst. It's draining you. There's constant, there's constant messages and requests and people drawing out of you. You need to not be so accessible. You need to take that off your phone. And I don't know why, for probably two or three years, I was like, yeah, yeah, but I really like staying in touch. I really like this. I really like this. And all of a sudden, in the span of about 30 seconds, I rolled over and uninstalled Facebook from my phone. That's how long it took. And some serious peace all of a sudden showed up. Just waiting for the conviction to set in on somebody's life. Why? And I was just like, where did it come from? I think sometimes our souls are distracted. 
And we can know that, and yeah, yeah, maybe it, or we can sometimes we just need to do something about it. What about your soul? Maybe your soul is disconnected. When you're connected with God and you're connected with other people in your life, your soul's usually healthy, especially if they're good, godly people. But what if you're disconnected from good, godly people? What if you're disconnected from your church or from God? Maybe your soul is sorrowful. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, my soul is sorrowful. Maybe your soul is partly serving Jesus. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And here I think lies the problem. It's so easy to neglect your soul. Like your body screams out and you better do something about it, right? And you can see it, you can understand it. But sometimes your soul's screaming out for help, your soul's not healthy, and you can just neglect it. And you don't even realize what's going on in your soul. It's easy to neglect your soul. If your body's so beat down you can't even walk, you have to do something about it. If you have an infection in your body, you can actually see that. Unlike your soul, you could do something about it. But your soul could be dying and you may not even realize it. And we can actually say, well, I'm too busy with my life. I I don't have time to just figure out what's going on inside. I'm trying to hold things together. And Jesus said something so powerful. He said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Could I really lose my soul? Could my soul really miss? Could I really be separated from heaven for all eternity because of my soul? Man, when Jesus says that, I just constantly think, Lord, I don't want to gain the world and lose my soul. I don't want to get life backwards here. I want to put God first in my life. And then in Mark, it actually says, Jesus went up with a follow-up question. He actually said this, is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything in life somehow more valuable than your soul and where you spend eternity? I think it's so important that we continually reevaluate where we are, the health of our soul. Here's what's fascinating. Somebody said this term to me a few years ago, like, how are you doing on soul care? I was like, soul care? What is that, a new product? Soul care, that seemed like an odd thing to me. And, And the more I thought about it, I was like, we have to take care of our souls, Yesterday, I went online and I looked up skincare. Do you know there's 25,000 products for skincare in our country? 25,000. Some of you are using about 80. I use like two. Okay. Skincare, 25,000 different products to take care of your skin. Here's the question what about soul care? Isn't that even more important? Your character, who you really are? Beyond your body? Soul care. Maybe we need to do some soul searching and figure out how to care for more than just our body, but our soul. The question I'm asking is, how do you measure the health of your soul? Sometimes people say, how are you? And I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I don't usually like that. That's usually a bad sign for me. If I don't know how I am, it's probably not good. But if somebody says, how are you? And I'm very in touch with that. I'm really good. I just have this one big issue I'm working on or two things. But I, I'm really grateful. I'm really good. And then I know I'm doing better. But if you come up to me and you say, how are you? And I'm like, I'm not really sure how I am. I'm out of touch. I'm neglecting my soul. I don't really know. Do you long for the things of the Lord? Or do you long for the things of this world? That's a measurement. Can you handle the quiet? Do you, do you want to spend time with God? What is God saying to you? Do you have an answer to that question? What is God saying to you? Oh, man, I'll tell you what God's saying to me. Three Christmases ago, God whispered this to me. 
And what is God saying to you today? What is he trying to whisper? What is he trying to talk to you? Well, I can't hear from God. I'm too busy solving all my problems. I think for, for someone today, I was actually asking God for a prophetic word. And I think this is from the Lord. I actually was praying. And I just felt like God said, if you hate your job, your soul probably is dying. Now, you don't may not like your job. That's, that's one thing. But if you hate, hate, hate your full-time job, what does that do to what's inside of you? And maybe, as hard as that might be, there may be some adjustments, some realignments, um, some recalibrating that has to happen with your job if your job is destroying who you are. How self-aware are we in our lives? Let me give you five things that your soul needs. I think this is important. Number one, the first thing you need, your soul needs, is your soul needs redemption. Man, your soul needs to be redeemed. Ask the Savior, come into my life, pay the price for my sins, redeem my life. Lord, I can't pay for my own sin, but you can. Lord, would you, would you pay for my sins? Would you help me with that? Your soul needs redemption. Um, I can't believe this. I looked it up because I look it up on a regular basis. I looked it up uh, just this week. And do you know that this year, $3 billion worth of gift cards uh, went unredeemed. And it's easy for someone to sell you a discount on a gift card or sell you a gift card because they know that at least 3%, but often far more, those gift cards never actually get cashed in. And sometimes I just wonder, like, God, if I've got all this sin in my life and I could come to you and I can get it redeemed, but I just don't. I just waste it. No, of course I want to ask the Lord to redeem my life. Don't let my soul go unredeemed, Lord. Second thing is this, relationship with others. Your soul needs relationships with others. You're designed with a need for others. There's all these scriptures, love one another, serve one another, help one another. You need others in your life. When you're comfortable with a, a close relationship uh, with God, um, or excuse me, when you're comfortable without a close relationship with God or with others, your soul slowly begins to die and you need to start over because your soul longs for more. And sometimes I just like, you know, if, you're, if your soul's not longing for more, if your soul is just satisfied with the world and everything that's happening today, and you don't long for more than this, it's a sign you don't have the relationship with God and others that you need. When your soul stops longing for more, it's time to recalibrate, to adjust your life. David said, my soul longs for the courts of the Lord. My priorities are straight. I want more of God. I don't want more of that or that. I want more of the Lord in my life. I want to be in his presence Here's the reality. When you don't have someone who's close to you, who can ask you how your soul is doing, you begin to leave your lane. And you don't even know it because you don't have a friend that's close enough to help you and walk with you. Good people who love God and love you are needed in order to recenter and refocus your life. So we all need redemption and we all need relationships with God and with others. Number three, we need rest. Come on, we need rest in our lives. And for some of us, like COVID-19 has been a great opportunity to slow down and refocus. And others of us, it hasn't been a restful time at all. Or maybe it could have been restful, but we weren't able to rest. I love how Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 11, 28, and he speaks about rest. And I've always loved it in the paraphrase of, of, called the Message Bible. And this is what it says. Jesus says, are you tired? You can say amen if that's you. Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest, Jesus says. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. So keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Your soul needs rest. And if you're like me, sometimes you can get time alone. Sometimes you can get time where you should be able to rest. And when that three hours is done, you don't feel any more rested than you were when that started. Your soul needs rest. Your mind needs rest. Refocus. Give your, give your soul what it needs. Redemption, relationships, rest. Fourth thing is this. Your soul needs responsibility. Man, you need to serve. Your soul is crying out, I want to do more than just care for myself. You need a responsibility to serve others. You need to realize the vital responsibility you have to be a blessing to others. Be a blessing. Yesterday, I got to go to the park and just walk my dog and just talk to people and just go, you know, I'm not here for myself. I'm just here to be a blessing to others. My daughter asked me a question. She said, what did you do over there at the soccer game? You didn't have any kids playing. I said, I just went because I wanted to minister to other people. I just want to minister to other people, right? There's something good about that. You need to be a light. You need to have a responsibility to be the light of Jesus to the world around you. Your soul needs that responsibility. And then number five, um, probably not always thought of, your soul needs restraint. And it's a big one. Your soul needs to go, not just where your heart would lead it, but your soul needs to be restrained. Your flesh longs for the path of least resistance, the path to easy pleasure, doing whatever feels good in the moment, and that road doesn't lead to heaven. Lord, restrain my flesh. Listen, if something in life is worth uh, gaining, it'll take effort on your part. Decide now that you're willing to work for what truly matters. You need boundaries in your life. You need to restrain yourself. Sometimes we call that self-control. Your soul needs restraint. So you've got these five things, and maybe you could put those back on the screen, those five R's. And I want to encourage you to stop and consider that. Maybe there's one that you're like really like working on in your life. Maybe restraint is something that you need to deal with in your life. So how is your soul, and how has COVID-19 impacted your soul? Jesus said this, now my soul is deeply troubled. Jesus said that. Jesus said, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour when they come and arrest me and beat me and crucify me? He says, no, but for this very reason I came. And I want to remind you of this. Jesus was doing the absolute best, the most right thing to do, he was accomplishing his purpose, and it led to his soul being deeply troubled. And I want to just take a moment to remind you today, a, a troubled soul might be a realistic expectation if you're living your life for God. Sometimes persecution comes with your faith. And maybe your soul is troubled, and maybe your soul should be troubled. Jesus' soul was troubled, and he was in the center of God's will. Maybe it's the expected Natural consequences of a Christ follower is that sometimes your soul, come on, is anybody just righteously like frustrated with the world right now? Troubled? Remember that sometimes a troubled soul might be a good thing. And finally, I want to say this. There's times in our lives, we're just like a car. 
If you take your hands off the wheel, your car will slowly begin to swerve to the right or the left. They call it being out of alignment. If you're 16 years old, don't listen to this illustration, but everybody else, take your hands off the wheel for just a second. And I remember the first time I did that with a car and it just, it just turned to the right way too fast. And this car is out of alignment. And your, t- your tires wear poorly. It's, it's, man, go get realigned. Lord, help me to drive straight, be re-centered and refocused in your will. Can you bow your heads with me for just a few minutes? Even at home, I want to encourage you, go ahead and just take a moment, just bow your head. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just speak to your church. Take these next few minutes, God, and let them be perhaps the most important five, seven minutes of our entire week. Because, Lord, if your spirit is here, and if you are ministering, God, to your people, your creation, then, Lord, we long to hear. Lord, today I really believe it's so important for us to redefine what success is in our lives. And Lord, if anybody today is chasing after, is pursuing things, is filling their calendar and their their mind and their days with things that don't matter, God, I pray that you would just redefine success for us. Lord, maybe today we need to invite you again to be the guardian of my soul. Lord, today, if we haven't been in touch with where our soul is or how the pandemic has impacted our soul, then today... Bring that to the surface. Jesus, you said so clearly that we could could gain the whole world and we could lose our soul for all eternity. We could be separated from God because we live for the wrong things. So Jesus, you asked the question, is anything more worth more than our souls? And Lord, we know the answer is no. God, don't let us be bought off by anything. Lord, help us to measure the health of our souls. God, we need redemption. We need a relationship with you that is vibrant, a relationship with others, God. Lord, there's some here today, Lord, and they desperately need rest to find the rhythms of grace, to live lightly, to travel lightly through this life. Lord, some of us, God, we haven't taken on that responsibility to be a blessing to others everywhere we go. And the reason we're so dissatisfied inside is there's no outlet of blessing and ministry to others. Lord, today we make a decision. I'm going to be a blessing today. I'm going to find someone. I'm going to do something. I'm I'm going to live every day to bless someone else. It'll help my life, my soul to be healthy and not toxic. And God, some of us, we need restraint. We need restraint, Lord. We need boundaries for our lives. We don't want the path that leads to pleasure, whatever comes easiest. No, Lord, we want a life that's really worth living. And so, Lord, today, as we look to our souls, the wellness of our souls, God, if we are pulling to the right, Lord, if we are pulling to the left, today, we pray, God, that we could recenter, realign, and refocus on following after you. Thank you.
not standing, join me. If you're here today and you need to rededicate your life to God, if you need to start over to recenter, would you pray that prayer, just you to Jesus right now? And Lord, there is somebody here who absolutely hates their job. 
not just dislikes it, but they hate it. And Lord, for that person, I pray you would provide what's new, what's going to give her or him their life back. Lord, there are things in our life that we cannot change, things that have happened, and we choose to say it as well with our souls. And mistakes that we even, we have made in our past, that we would not be filled with regret or shame, but we would look back on our past and see what God has brought us through. And it is so well with my soul. And so Lord, today, many of us are starting over, rededicating ourselves. Lord, don't find us self-assured. Lord, help us find us more concerned with our obedience to you than ever. Thank you for your voice, your presence, your power in this place and online today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Man, good to be in church, worshiping God, Wednesday night, 6 to 9. If you want to come and just find a place to pray, do that, all right? Be an encouragement to someone. Be a blessing to someone today.